Alright guys, welcome to I Am Comics Podcast. This is Josh Casper and with me is... What up, yo? This is J.J. Kirby, a.k.a. Grumpy Wizard, uh, the Bonsai Killer. <laughs> what up? <laughs> Today we have a, another special guest. Always of, a special, special guest. Always a special scenario with this cat right here. We had him on last year. Uh, have they been that long? Yeah. Damn, been I guess it has been a long. A year, we, and two, a year and two months, actually. We've been delinquent. We've been needing some um, Matt Dunford in this motherfucker. <laughs> well, there you go. Our guest today is Matt Dunford. Matt, Dun- Matt Dunford, yeah, you clap, break- bitches, clap, give it up, yeah. Oh, clap. You bring, you, bring, you bring Dunford on the show, but he just shows up everywhere. I mean, there's literally like nothing <laughs> that he's not makes, in. It makes the most when you hear. Yeah. I ain't mad at you being everywhere, like energy. Right. You have to be up in this motherfucker with the energy. And I'm up in this motherfucker today. Amen. But there's a reason I'm up in this motherfucker. <laughs> What's that? That's because I'm here once again promoting San Diego Comic Fest. Oh, a friendly, okay. intimate convention from the creators of the original San Diego Comic Con. Heard that. Bringing it back to its roots. Amen. It's small, intimate, focusing on comics, science fiction, and film in mm-hmm. a small, cool setting. Mm-hmm. Keeping yeah. the heart real. I'm keeping the heart real because mm-hmm. just bringing my passion for them funny books on board. And so Comic Fest is back for its sixth year. Mm. It will be happening. It's been six years since it's been six years since it, it started. Been, yeah, it? yeah that's just started moving. And so it's been moving along. And we are con- the event will be held at the Town and Country Resort in Mission Valley. Mm. And it will be April 20th through the 22nd. April 20th? That's 420. That's 420. All you smokers, you know what day that is. And Yeah, yeah, and trust me, and we're going to go green Mm. for 420. Mm. Because this year, our theme is we are celebrating 200 years of Frankenstein. Amen. Very Kelly. Get that fucking Frankenstein popping. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am not a monster. Yeah, you is. Nah, I like the Robert De Niro Frankenstein better. What's this? <laughs> you never seen that one? Nah. Robert De Niro did a Frankenstein. Was the nineteen ninety five. Yeah, it was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Frankenstein, but he wasn't Frankenstein. He was just he was just Robert De Niro. Yeah. In Frankenstein. Hey, I'm freaking yeah. Frankenstein. Doing like, what? Robert De Niro. As he's Frank- like yeah, as the monster. Oh, he played hey, Frankenstein. The monster, yeah. Make but him. he was Robert De Niro as Frankenstein. <laughs> it was basically Frankenstein. Yeah, it was sort of like when Jack Nicholson was the Joker. He wasn't the Joker. He was just Jack Nicholson. Oh, but he made it. Jack Nicholson's Joker, yeah. and ever since then, it's like, oh, he took it from, um, what was it, Cesar Romero? Yep. And then it was like, okay, then it was, um, um, Homeboy Past. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. So then he yeah. took, he did it enough to be able to take it, but take De, that back. But De Niro just stayed De Niro, he didn't. He's like, I ain't <laughs> gotta change shit for you motherfuckers. <laughs> so yes, that's right. We are really thrilled to be doing uh, 200 Years of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but mm-hmm. because it seems like, like Nobody else is really doing it because mm. it's such a definitive story. You think Comic Con will be like, oh, you know, we're gonna celebrate, you know, Frankenstein in anniversary type scenario too? Like, not because so. I looked around, I looked at all the other conventions, I looked at the and horror cons, the science fiction shows, wow. the literature conventions, wow. and nobody else doing stuff. So guess what? We doing it. Mm. And even the horror cons aren't doing it. Even the horror cons aren't doing it. Damn. I don't know. I don't know why to want to touch That's Frank. But we got. We got our hands all over Frank, so yeah. we got a lot of guests on board coming in to celebrate uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with nice, us. Nice. And uh, I think one of the cool guests that we've got on board for it is we've got Boris Karloff's daughter, Sarah Karloff, coming oh, on damn. board to talk about her mm-hmm. father's biography and mm-hmm. her experience with that. So that's going to be really cool when you get the daughter okay. of Frankenstein on board. Right. Yeah. Um, we also have on board Leslie Klinger, who did the annotated Frankenstein. He does these great annotated books like the annotated Watchmen, the annotated Sandman. What does annotated mean? Annotated means a deeper look at it. When it mm. does like a certain scene, picks it apart, just like mm. goes full English major mm. on it. Okay. And so he delivers some really, uh, really wonderful stories. Mm-hmm. And also on board, because uh, originally when I got the job as chairman about 
it was 13 months ago actually yeah or 14 actually 15 yeah because a year they, 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 in january of last year when i got the when i got the chairman position right before we were right we were a month away from last year's comic fest and we we're already debilitating and delivering and debating on what are we going to do for next year then the president of the con mike uh he said well what about 200 years of frankenstein perfect Man. and so i thought all right Bing. let's invite bernie wrightson as our guest did of he honor. Still around? I thought he passed, did he? we invited him and then about a week later, he suffered a stroke. Oh, and his no. wife said, Bernie is effectively retired from comics. Wow. He's retired from conventions. If he gets better, he can start doing cons again. So yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, hoping Freddie recovers. Amen. Then he suffers a brain hemorrhage and sadly passed away. Damn. Oh, wow. Wow. So That's just, feet, yeah, I know. And, you know, there it was. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to celebrate 200 years of... Mary Shelley's Frankenstein well, with him yeah. because he was the for he me he is he is yeah, my he's definitive, definitive Frankenstein definitive. he's the definitive Frankenstein artist right, for me and so then of course afterwards I struck up a conversation with Len Wein about mm-hmm. him coming on board to do a Ernie Frankenstein Damn. tribute mm-hmm. and then also to celebrate 50 years of Swamp Thing and because yeah. like, so it's good as it fits double on up on the whole yeah. but then sadly Len passed Len Wein passed him yeah you know yeah he did right he passed away about a week after I passed and I will say I'm I'm glad that comics like Marvel and DC are putting um, like shouts out to past yeah. art, you know, comic soldiers yeah. and artists like that mm-hmm. in the books because people wouldn't know really you know unless you know yeah. but what I think I do remember uh, seeing um, the splash of Lin Wine um, saying he passed away and whatnot so forth and I'm like okay he did yeah, yeah somebody did like a drawing of Wolverine saying like goodbye to him yeah yeah it really sucked just because Len was so instrumental in me you know actually wanting to you know take a career path in the mm, comics yeah. because he inspired you he inspired me because when I first uh, you know it started off in 2009 when I attended this uh this uh, talk at Meltdown Comics, and mm-hmm. as of last week, Meltdown Comics is no longer with us, too. Damn, dude. I don't, like, have a reason to go to Hollywood anymore mm-hmm. now that Meltdown's gone, but... Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Len was doing a talk on editing Watchmen, because the Watchmen film was coming out in then. And so he talked about, you know, being a comic editor and what a comic editor does, and I thought, that sounds like the coolest job on Earth. To dictate who draws what, who colors what, who writes what. This is where we're going with the story. And this just is, giving them yeah. direction on the story and just like telling how the writers, how to improve their stories, how to adjust things. It's like, that's that's so cool. And then I talked with him afterwards and he gave me the tips on how to be you know, a comic editor. So I started just pursuing that. And so I did that. Well, you have, you're, are you a comic I wasn't. I was an editor. I started off at Semantic Where? Publishing, uh, which is a small press here mm-hmm. in San Diego. I started that in January of 2011. Okay. Then I kept on going from that till I was, you know, full editor. The company rebranded to Keyleaf Comics later on, where I became the senior editor, mm. overlooking all the titles. Yeah. And then after Keyleaf sadly went defunct, I joined Littlefish Comic Book Studio. I remember Kiwi. Keyleaf. 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 Wasn't it tea leaf? Key leaf. Key, like key, okay. It means like a printing press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I, was there a Kiwi printing press? I don't think like so. Or like publishing company? I, I want to say I remember uh, like, or, or the shoe polish. I can't remember. Yeah, he was <laughs> don't call me, brother. So anyway, me. I got my start off as an editor of comics. And actually, I should mention, since I was talking about possible guests of honor for last year, I uh, talk about our guest of honor this year, who is a comic editor, Miss mm. Karen Berger. Mm. Oh, so you might know or remember her, you know, getting her start off at DC and then becoming the editor-in-chief at Vertigo mm-hmm. and helping to, mm-hmm. you know, cultivate careers for British talent like mm-hmm. small-time guys like Neil Gaiman, mm. Peter Milligan, Grant Morrison. Yeah, so helping to invasion. move over the British invasion and cultivate Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And now she's at Dark Horse with her new imprint, Burger Books. So we're mm. really happy to have her on board for that because right. it's just, I feel like editors have kind of just been 
snubbed for guest invites over the years. Don't forget <laughs> about that one. No, right? no, no diggity. I feel like, I, I think of editors like Puffy from Bad Boy. You know, like they do deserve to come from behind the scenes sometimes and say, look at me, I did this, I put this together, I discovered that person. Um, give them a fucking props. You know, editors are definitely in charge of like, yo, these letter balloons look weird, or you covering up a person's face. This artist needs to get a better inker. This colorist is not doing what they speak is supposed to be doing. This writing or this direction of the book is whack or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so you're not just a glorified spell no, checker no. when very you're an editor. Im- very important. Because I very learned important. as an editor, if you do your job right, no one will notice you were there. And that's the best. That's when you know. And that's, that's why you're like, oh, I need to, you know, editors need some props. Yes, they do. But if you're doing your job right, you'll never know they were there. Just like Puffy. You didn't know if he never said. Except he was all like, "Yeah, he yeah, was a come, 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 yeah, yeah, come on, come on, yeah, that's right, that's right." Come on, come on. Quincy Jones never did that shit. Um, what did um? Well, remember Suge Knight caught, uh, like called him out from it. He did, but Suge was being some Suge was on some punk stuff. <laughs> yeah, with he that. was. He was being a bitch with that. Let's be real with it. He yeah. was. He don't get up on. It was just funny camera. though. Yeah, it was just funny him saying. And being like, if you don't want to be in the video, yeah. you want your audio with the producer dancing on the video. I'm like, really, homie. You gonna call out? You gonna call out motherfucker out? You know, create beef. You know what I mean? Come, come to West Coast, right? Come, come to death row. Come to death row. I'm like, Nick, not when you acting like this. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah. So I mean that, and so we're really happy to have Karen on board. I got to meet Karen at uh, San Diego Comic Con mm-hmm. last year, and she mm-hmm. gave a wonderful talk. And this uh, you know, talk moderated by Paul Levitz, and she was just oh, on Paul fire. Levitz. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So you know, so and actually, Mr. Levitz actually helped facilitate to get her on board with us, and mm-hmm. so we're happy to have her as our guest of honor. Mm-hmm. Because no. she's got some stories to tell, and I want to hear oh, those I'll stories. Bet. Right? Oh, I bet, I bet, and like, yeah, that all the editors that I don't know or remember from Wildstorm, they could tell you the stories or just the drama or anything. Like, so editors are very important. Yeah, I didn't know you were an editor. That's cool. I was an editor. That's okay. how I got to be such a know-it-all. No, well, say, I'm a comic, saying, well, also comic book historian. So yeah. that's how I even got more know-it-all. You, sure you just want to know-it-all just from the beginning, like just being you just a know-it-all. I'm just kind of a know-it-all. There it is. They but now, I, now as the so chairman of Comic Fest, I have I have to be a do-it-all. So it's like even do-it-all. less. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's how you evolve. That's how I evolve. From knowing to doing. <laughs> and of course, uh, some other cool comic guests that we have on board. Uh, Mr. Steve Niles will be joining us. Mm. So you might know him from Thirty Days of Night, mm. and he recently oh. just wrapped mm. up his uh, the final Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein story, which was Frankenstein Alive, Alive. I just picked the uh, issue up on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and so the first three issues were done by Bernie Wrightson, and they were you know phenomenal. Mm. But sadly, Bernie passed. Uh, and then. Uh, it was Kelly Jones that picked up the slack to do the artwork mm. for the final issue. Kelly's dope. Kelly's dope. Kelly's I actually dope. had him... Different, I, but dope. He's dope, yeah. Different, but dope. To, I wouldn't we, want him to like get on a cut and not be himself. Like, have to um, do a Bernie Wrightson style. I'm mm. like, dude, just do you. Yeah, you know? and we actually... Di- I actually did uh, talk with Kelly Jones. We had invited him, but, mm. you know, it's... Because you know, he was thrilled about coming, but sadly his son has a doctor's appointment that weekend that he can't really miss. Right. So, right. uh, say Levy, the show must go on. It would have been great to have, yeah, mm-hmm. would have been great to have him, but you know the show goes on, and so no we baby. have, and we have so many wonderful guests on board uh, coming on this thing, and another one, another guest that I'm happy to have on board is Mr. Steve Purcell. If you're not familiar with Steve Purcell, mm-hmm. he uh, created Sam and Max uh, back in the oh, or, back in the back in the eighties, yeah. and then he had a prolific career working uh, as a concept artist in animation. Before he was uh, noticed by this small-time guy named George Lucas, mm-hmm. and was asked to come on board to this 
video game design company that he had created in 1990 called LucasArts. Mm, really? That's so, how games, the, the games came out through there. Wow. Yeah, so those games like yeah, so like games like The Dig, Monkey Island, uh, like just and of wow. course Sam and Max Freelance wow. Police. That would make sense why Sam and Max became a video game. Yeah, and why Sam and Max had cameo appearances in all those uh, in all the LucasArts video games. And now he's got a small uh, small time job as uh, the art director at Pixar. Damn. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's chunk change right there. Yeah, he uh, (laughs) wrote a movie you may not have heard of called Brave, and also the Toy Story that Time Forgot. And uh, so, yeah, he's. uh, I'm happy that he's coming on board because he's a guy who has encompassed that whole animation, film, and comics, and Mm -hmm. he's a great guy to have on board. It sounds like JJ's eating. It's because he is. Cause it's, oh, yeah. Because it's like, mm-hmm, 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 That is true. Mm-hmm, I'm smacking mm-hmm. the iron. Ain't nothing today. <laughs> so our brother is trying to get it in with this little shrimp Alfredo fettuccine noodle shit. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sauce, sauce noodles. Yeah, and shrimp, and it's good as a mug. And I'm sorry if you're. I don't. Like I don't even eat shrimp a lot, but now I'm fucking like yeah, craving shrimp. Man. Hey, I'm on this kick where I go to the grocery store and yeah. I buy raw shrimp and yeah. I cook them over here. I'm like. I think I'm going to get some yeah. duck noodle sauce after this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I grabbed a burger at the malt shop beforehand, <laughs> so I had a turkey burger, so yeah, I'm good. See, I'm satisfied. Good. I'm good. good. I'm good. I don't want to be starving. I want you to just talk about the, about the, the show coming up. <laughs> and, of course, the, one of the cool things about Comic Fest is, you know, we don't just encompass just, you know, creators, but we also help facilitate the people who make these things. Mm. So one of, the ha- one of the guys I'm really happy to bring on board is Mr. David Scroge, who is... Uh, he was like the vice president of marketing for Dark Horse. He spent mm, 23 okay. years doing that before he finally retired this year. Okay. Plus, he was also one of the guys who was the founding fathers of the original San Diego Comic Con, mm. hanging out with that crew. Mm-hmm. Like, so we've always been trying to get him on board ever since the first Comic was Fest, really? but because he was every time we held it, there was always some kind of big toy show that he had to exhibit. Usually, it was New York Toy Fair. Mm. But recently, David has retired from from product development at Dark Horse. So now he's uh, free to do his thing and tell those great stories. So now mm-hmm. he can tell he can come to Comic Fest and tell those stories. That's the best. Also, if you're into legends of comic history and in the history of making history, Mr. Alex Nino is on board for it. Why another name? Alex Nino. Alex Nino. He's drawn for DC, yes. uh, for Marvel, for Warren, Heavy Metal. He's one of those giants of... He was one of the big big Filipino comic mm-hmm. creators coming mm-hmm. over from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And this guy, you cannot get a bad drawing out of him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if you're drawing for Heavy Metal, man, then you know how to fucking make some shit. Because Heavy Metal, I've always loved those art, the art. Yeah, they allow persons to be an artist and see what comes out when you squeeze the tube. No it's doubt. like the Heavy Metal is like... I don't know if you ever heard of Brom. Oh, Brahm is dope. I love Brahm, dude. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of got me into Magic the Gathering because no, my, Brahm is dope. My buddy like, was like, "Here, I look at this." Book, and I was, I was like, like "What? This guy? He draws realistic, but a little cartoony." Yeah, so I like that. It, it reminds me of balance. Hellraiser, that, the movie Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I was like, yeah. I like that kind of stuff. I was like, you are into that shit. Yeah, yeah. You like horror and shit like that. That's why that Frankenstein thing is good for me. It's perfect for me. I love it. For me, horror and me, I'm like, my my imagination is too vivid. I don't need extra ghouls right. and goblins in my brain <laughs> while I'm sleeping. I ain't a scary cat, but I don't fuck around with it. Yeah. That's, that's me. No, yeah. Once I realize, oh, okay, this is a movie, and you know it's a movie, but that's a dude in makeup. Yeah. Somebody had to write this, special effects, you get over it. I think, I think for me, I got over horror like that and, and, and appreciated it also with, um, you remember that movie 13 Ghosts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was... That was an amazing um, movie for mine. The special effects, the characters, the designs, the story. I liked it all. I can't even write it. And I can see the special effects 
they were amazing special effects, but I was still able to see like that's a black dude that's a fucking muscle suit. Yeah. But I'm cool with that though. I'm cool with that. Yeah. And it allows me to be a part of the reality, but not be overswept by the reality. And I can appreciate it. So y'all doing like Frankenstein, and horror and all that stuff. Because um, we were talking earlier and I was like, oh, don't say don't 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 tell me too much, save for the podcast. But I was like, is he gonna change the theme? It's like is is your show have a, a rotating theme? I was asking you that earlier. So like this one, y'all like, we want to honor Frankenstein and we're gonna go monsters and everything. I was like, are you doing comics still? And you're like, we're still doing comics. Yeah, we're still doing comics, but, but it's just you know, Frankenstein was such a definitive moment right, right, for right, us right. to do it. So I figured two hundred years of Frankenstein, that was the thing to do. And last year we were the place celebrating one hundred years of Jack Kirby. So mm. we did the Jack Kirby Centennial. Actually we beat Comic Con to the punch on it. Oh, and so and it was so great because, you know, we had arranged the Kirby Cafe. We had brought on all these inkers and writers who had spent time working with Jack Kirby mm-hmm. and had stories to tell. And everybody had a story to tell about Jack. It was just a phenomenal occasion. Even just, you know, folks from Did you do anything? Oh uh, yeah, because I didn't I mean, you should my suggestion, a suggestion I just came up with, like, oh, you know, if you have, like, a Jack Kirby thing again, or if somebody that's special that you're trying to honor like that, would you have the fans do their version of, like, Jack Kirby pictures? Oh, yeah. And post them? We, uh, we, we, did have, uh, we did have some cool stuff on board. Mm-hmm. I really liked uh, our shirt that we had last year, it, but it sold out so fast. I mean, I couldn't get my hands on one. It was what? it was, uh, on, it was a tribute to uh, Bicentennial Battles, but Kirby Centennial Battles, yeah. and it was, it was really cool. Yeah, that Kirby Cafe was cool because I went last year. JJ didn't go. Yeah, I, I was, I was in, <laughs> in, in, um, inoperative. No, I don't know why. Incapacitated. I yeah, incapacitated. <laughs> I wasn't available. Forgive me, brother. It was cool. Like, you walked in that little cafe and it was just like posters everywhere. I was like, man, how the hell can I get one of these? Like, Are they didn't have for sale or anything. No, they were just like, I don't know how you guys got them. You guys, oh, just we, we may have some extras because they were all given to Littlefish afterwards. Oh yeah, dude. Because I was just looking at all of them. The like, thing that impressed me most is I was seeing Kirby artwork that I had never seen before, mm. and it's just so different just to see mm. those. Like, okay, here's just Mayan inspiration period. Here's this Indian inspiration yeah, period. Here's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the you know Western inspiration. Here's the which romance was, comics, and it's just it's, it's all different. And crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's like you know when the man you know had. Like you know, nearly sixty years worth of he career. Had skill. He had skill. He took. He would take skill pills and put it on the page. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was drawing three pages a day. Damn, I could. Oh. He was doing four issues a month. That's a large penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just. That's and and, and it, it was it was so it was so incredible to hear uh, his, hear Mike Royer talk because he that guy is all, Mike Royer who's also going to be back at Comic Fest this year. Mm-hmm. Mike Royer who was Jack Kirby's inker in the seventies. Mm-hmm. The workload that man had oh, and yet still kept up and he still kept up with he it. Kept Inking, up with it too? He kept up with yeah. it the three pages a day. It's like I don't know how he did it. He is just so like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he there committed. Were, he I committed. He was starting from like... top, top left and then work his way to the bottom right of the page mm-hmm. and yeah. be done. And it's like, I guess Stan would give him like <clears throat> plot outlines. Like here's here's the loose A, B, and C. Get this character from here. It's a paragraph of text. That's right, right, right. And it was up to Jack to come in and be like, all right, this he he pirouettes, he jumps, he throws the shield, and then like he gets punched in the face. Jack wrote all that shit. I didn't realize how hardcore and heavy Jack was. Because uh, everybody's like, oh, there's Stan Lee and there's Jack Kirby. Nope. And of course. And then I'm like, all right, so he's the writer, he's the yeah. artist, like like Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah. Nope. He's the DJ, I'm the rapper. And it's just like, okay, but no. This motherfucker was going in and getting like 
basic plot outlines. He had no paragraphs. Script. He would just n- n- upper left. Yeah. <laughs> and he would come in and then he di- I think he dialogued some of the, no no. He would he'd throw, throw most of some dialogue too and then Stan would come in and just tighten it all up. And tighten Stan would pretty much do the Which dialogue. Which is important too. I'm not trying to downplay Stan's involvement in this motherfucker either. I'm telling yeah. you like to be able to come in and clean it up and be like Stan, no tape. Stan had snappy yeah. dialogue but of course the whole thing is like you know afterwards Kirby went off to do his thing and then Stan went off to do his own thing, but the, just the, the truth be told, the two of them were never quite as good without each other. No, so, so I think the Stan, magic. the Stan and Jack stuff right, right, was right. definitely magic between the, people that the have best. Because like I mean, I look at, I read, you know, I casually read through Jack's stuff in the 1970s that he was doing for DC and the stuff that when he came back from Marvel. But like, it just never really stands out to me that well. I mean, I do have a personal favorite. Devil Dinosaur is my jam. <laughs> Devil Dinosaur I is like, it's I, I fun. Like I like Devil. It's right, fun. It's, okay, it's so fun. And it's so creative. I okay. really, I really enjoy that material. Because I was just like, I never, I was like, I know that when they brought him back to Marvel, like you know, currently or whatever, yeah. Moon Girl, and he just when they brought him back, I was just like, it's a gigantic red dinosaur. When they brought him back from Fallen Angels with Sun Spider, I was like, they, 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 it's a giant dinosaur. I don't, I'm, I've never been into dinosaurs like that. Yeah. I ain't mad at them. I, I, much love. It's I was a, like, what the fuck? It's really? a really, it's a really fun nine issues. That's okay. what I will say about Devil Dinosaur. Okay. But a lot of the uh, main Kirby stuff for me is, you know, I. I appreciate the man. I love his talent and mm-hmm. all his creativity. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it strikes people that when I tell them I'm not the biggest Kirby fan in the entire oh, world because, because mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's the best. He's the hardest working man in comic history. He mm-hmm. is an incredible world builder. But for me, it's just like I, I prefer him just like doing concepts and designs of characters no, and that sort of thing. Concepts. But for me, when I read Kirby stories, they end up just being very Black dense. Luster, like I, I can't dense, really uh, get in. They, they, they're so high conceptual you're like damn yeah I mean I can it's just I mean I try to read fourth world and I can't you know I can't digest it all it's just too much I bought the forever people and it took me a minute to get through it it took me like maybe three months to read I think it was oh, only like wow, nine issues awesome. wow and I was three just like it's because issues. it's kind of hard I was like it's beautiful but it's like, too much I was like ah, there's something about it and then like I read the the new gods and I was like okay mm-hmm. I, I liked it it's hard to take in but I like yeah. I prefer you know smooth storytelling so course, when I look at like course. Silver Age comic art I'm a Ditko guy I'm a Romita guy Jim Collins yeah, like, sex to it yeah. I understand that so for me Jack Kirby like I said I think I told the story before but I didn't know growing up I thought he drew ugly I was like he draws ugly people big hands I was like it's all blocky I did not appreciate it I didn't like it and then when I got my job with Jim Lee um, Scott Dumbeer and Jim Lee, you know, we was talking about OMAC and John Byrne. I was like, John Byrne created OMAC, you know, because I was reading the John Byrne yeah, yeah, retelling yeah, yeah. of OMAC, and it says, by John Byrne, because he wrote pencil ink, he did the whole shabizzle. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, John Byrne created OMAC. And they looked at me like, you stupid. They were like, no, no, you stupid. He was like, you don't know, like, Jack Kirby created OMAC. I was like, who? Jack Kirby? Dude, just those ugly fingers? Nah, that's that's not hot. And they were like, what? <laughs> You don't know who Jack Kirby is? Like, what's it called? Like, dude, draws those ugly people. I ain't fucking with him. And they were like, oh, you better do the novel. They, 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 they educated the motherfucker and, and berated me and let me know the importance of what the fuck Jack Kirby brought. And that's like, as I get older and now where I'm at, I'm like, I see it. I'm always like, wow, by what he brought to the table. He brought so fucking much to the table that comics would not be yeah. like they are without him. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's important to look at comics before Jack Kirby and comics after, after. Jack yeah, Kirby. Yeah. It's like, yeah. he brought the, like, like before Jack, after Jack. Yeah, it's yeah. like shit's radically different. Yeah. And I was like, because he brought like superheroes to a whole nother level, a dynamic level 
before then it was romance comic romance comics and like some horror books, and stuff horror, like that. Yeah. You know, sci-fi, you know, shit like that. Where but Jack was like, now nah, we're gonna put superheroes on the map and bring and make them pop out the page. And I'm like, wow. So I look at this shit. Now I'm like, man, this cat was a beast. The fact that he could draw from the top left to the bottom in a swoop, dialoguing it, figure taking the paragraph of what this page is about and making it make yeah. sense, connecting it to all the other pictures in the book. To do a whole book, to do a whole series with that, just it's like that's fucking ridiculous. And then you say he had different eras where it's like yeah, he had the Mayan era, different type of influences. When I saw some of his non-comic artwork, where it's more like you know it's kind of comic book, but not, but like designy, but you know, yeah, I, I, I had to stop just like that. I didn't know what the, I was like. How do I absorb this much coolness in this scenario right now? This cat is is he's a. He's a four-legged beast. I can't and of course, him. you're talking about Lord of Light, which I will agree is Jack Kirby's best work. I first I discovered this work. That's I, to me. Lord, Lord of Light. Lord of, Lord of Light, which I first, when I went to the first San Diego Comic Fest, I mean, I will admit, even as chairman, I thought the first two years of San Diego Comic Fest were pretty boring. There just wasn't enough to do. I mean, a convention is just like, it you know, it's getting it. but whatever. Almost yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I was thinking to myself, there's a good convention here. It just needs to be done right. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy I met there named Barry Ira Geller. You know, he's this, you know, old, older Jewish man from New York. And he had these posters of this Jack Kirby art I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it looked sort of like very Hindu-like it's in influence. And I, I asked this, like, what the hell is this? I've never seen these Jack Kirby pieces before. This is from Lord of Light. You see, you know that movie, you know that movie Argo with uh, Ben Affleck? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's someone with the uh, Iranian hostage crisis. Okay, here's the story. I made that all happen. And it's like, what are you talking about? Okay, so here's the thing. When they were looking for when they were looking for a way to get the hostages out, I was working on a movie uh, in in the 70s called uh, Lord of Light, and they decided the United States government said they wanted to make a fake movie, so they talked about buying my script, and I asked Jack Kirby to come up with fake concept art for the movie. Damn. And they showed that to people in the in Iran just said, we're going to film here and do this, and the Iranian government like accepted it. Okay, sure, just bring in your money for doing filming. We're happy to have you on board. Yeah. And that is how they got the CIA people in to get the hostages out. Oh, wow. I've never, never seen that movie, but yeah. That, and then I, I was, was I was saying about his, and he's telling me that they actually did have a Jack Kirby scene in the movie, but they cut it out because Ben Affleck didn't want to pay royalties to Jack's family and that oh, sort of thing. So it's wow. like, that oh, man's yeah. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then later on, uh, I mean, every every year since Barry has been coming to uh, to San Diego Comic Fest, and recently he worked with Heavy Metal. And he got the pieces recolored, and they were just amazing. They were hanging up in the comic art gallery for some time on the walls, and they were just like the most beautiful thing there. And I was just just in awe of this. And so I love when Barry comes to Comic Fest and just talks about the uh, process for Lord of Light and these and these pieces that were easily these thirty pieces of artwork, which were by far the best work of Jack Kirby's career. He's shown me this one this one piece. He's like, I sold the original of this piece to Jim Lee in 1992 for $25,000. And and I used it to put my son through college. Hell yes, <laughs> Jim can afford that. <laughs> oh, shit. I wonder how much it's worth now. I just want to see the shit. I, they, they, yeah, they had it at a comic fest, or a comic well, gallery I mean, since you were talking about yeah. it. Uh-huh. It's that like, the, a lot of purple in it, right? Yep. 
Yeah, it looked badass because I saw it said heavy metal underneath, and then it said Jack Kirby, and I was like, "What the hell, Jack really, Kirby heavy metal?" Really. And heavy metal got the licensing rights to it. So yeah, that, that's why I was hard. wondering. I was like, "Jack Kirby ever did heavy metal?" I I didn't really know, but since you explained it now, he said so much. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful. It looked yeah. like um. Was it like Mayan or what, what did it look it was like? It was Indian. It was a little bit Indian influence, a little bit Mayan influence. He did ha- he he did have this thing where if he hit a roadblock in one of those rare times if he was ever stumped, he would just pick up a book off the shelf and just start reading. Sometimes Bible books, archaeology books, history books, that sort of thing, and whatever it was, and then he would just read it until that spark of creativity hit him. Mm. And so that's why you see so many um, so much influence of him. Say for example, those square fingers. Mm-hmm. That's all Mayan artwork because mm. Mayan artwork is depicted with people with square fingers like that and these different things so he was using all this archaeological evidence to influence his artistic style love it love it that makes more sense now because like I said I was like he draws big blocky ugly ass fingers but but now I'm like oh that's fucking dynamic you know positioning you know dynamicism and shit I'm like okay okay he was that's that's G yeah so I mean that's why because even even in between times at comic fest when i'm having to put out fires i will swing into panels just to make sure i'm seeing things and i really love the jack kirby ones we had last year because i was you know i I I like to think i'm pretty versed in comic book history but even i was you know watching panels and hearing people say stuff like wow i did not know that Mm. i did not know that because i was learning something new yeah 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 like i said and that's what it's uh like comic fest definitely i think that should be one of the things that you should pump up in my opinion or like you know like Comic Con, you go meet, greet, you see all that. You did all the conventions. Yeah. All the conventions are like that. But if like this one can be the one that's just like, you know what? You gonna come here, you gonna do all that shit, but you gonna learn. Yeah. You have to learn being a this mug because like there's there's the there's the history, there's the there's the the people who were part of history. There's all, all it's, it's a little it's a little more mature. Uh, and then it's it's more like. People it's more intimate kind of thing because yeah. like that Kirby smaller. Cafe was a little smaller so yeah. like, that felt cool as opposed to like being in a room with like a, a shit ton of people right, like right, in right. Comic Con right, right, right. and you have to all sit the all the way in the back yeah. or whatever. you can sit like right in the front and you can just look at them talk and you can just absorb all that yeah, shit yeah, 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 yeah. like that's where I learned about um the remember how we were talking about this in a couple episodes uh, way back about the comics in Mexico Oh yeah, that's, that's how I learned. Going. That's how I learned from it from last year. You guys had it. You guys had some <laughs> artists from there, man. and they're going to be coming back too. In fact, another yeah. one of the uh, guests on board that I'm really happy to have in the, uh, you know, uh, in the community of uh, of Mexican and Mexican American artists. Like I'm very careful not to say the word Latino or Chicano because it depends on like I'm just saying. So the artist coming up from I, Mexico oh, and okay, yeah. I but, say Hisp- I've learned the proper term is Hispanic. I say Mexican. Well, see, I was saying Mexican to my homie, and he's he's, he's Hispanic. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, no, we prefer Hispanic. I was like, I, all my if you all my Mexican homies have been cool with Mexican. You the first to be like Hispanic. I, I, I've learned so from I just my time. Adapted that, so I'm PC. And you yeah. don't get fucked normally. I know, I know, I know. But like, you know, some people are Latino, some people are Hispanic, some people are Chicano. So it's just like, I've, I've learned to be, you know, sensitive in my turn off. Or Latinx. Cholos are like the ones like, I'm Chicano. Like, I'm shut like, the fuck uh, up with I, your Chicano like, bullshit. Are you an African-American? Are you an Afro-American? Nigga, I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let boy. I'm black. I don't give a fuck what y'all talking about. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah, PC, nothing. It's more offensive when people try to, when they have to figure out what to call me. I'm like, what? You, that's you that's, to, that's, that's what I think. Think? About how to describe me? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? That's what I think. That's what I'm like, just call me a Mexican because you know that's what I, mean? what I am. And like, if I talk to a Puerto Rican dude, I'm like, hey, you Puerto Rican, hey, you Cuban. Right, hey. but if you if you know and can discern like that and yeah. be on point, that's one thing. Yeah. So for me, 
I'm not on point like that. Yeah. But I am in you know, I'm in San Diego and I'm surrounded by my Mexican homies. Yeah. But it's a, it's a rainbow people out here. So you get Filipino. I, just what just yesterday, a motherfucker was when my homie was he was trying to relate to a person at the taco shop who was waiting on something to eat. And so he was started speaking to this dude in Spanish. Yeah. Ah, this white dude, and he knows Spanish in and out. And was like, ah, you know, get it in. And then dude looked at him like, shrug, like, I don't know what you're talking about, homie. I'm Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, and we looked at each other, and me and, my, me and uh, the dude looked at each other, and we started giggling. We looked, giggled, because like, yeah. Homeboy trying to, you know, he that's, trying to be that's, busy. That's, that's, that's what I hate. Yeah. But, which, which is, but I give him props for, yeah. for going there. But then again, it's like... The, it's just like no, homie. But it's like, motherfucker, <laughs> at least try to speak English first to or see something. if I know yeah, English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the because I, I hate, do the I hate when first. people be like, oh, buenas noches. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just say good night. Just say what's right. up. And it's, it's, and it's like wow. a dude who can't even speak Spanish, right? He's like, buenas noches. I'm like, no. Buenas like, nachos? Yeah, like I hate I hate <laughs> that shit. I'm like, don't, don't do that. Just say have a good night. If I'm telling you have a good night, like in my job, I'm security, so I always have to say have a good night. Yeah. And then people will be like, buenas noches. I'm like, have a good night, motherfucker. Well, like, I told you have a good night. Don't fucking yeah. try to relate to me in this. I'm like, just, well. Well, to be fair, you do have the whitest last name on earth. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, you have a, your name is trans, your Casper, it's transparent. <laughs> that is so, true. Well. So anyway, in terms of PC, <laughs> another PC thing I want to talk about uh, for Comic Fest mm-hmm. is we are dabbling into political cartooning as a realm. Ooh. Yeah, because, okay. you know, in this day and age, there's a lot going on in politics. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot going on in politics. But there's, there's a lot to... a hotbed of something, something. But, but this, this there's time... But there's more, a lot to make yeah. fun of Ooh, these because days. because of Trump? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, a Showtime, there's a thing called our uh, cartoon president. Yeah, Colbert does it. Yeah, it's pretty fucking funny, man. And, uh, oh, and, and Colbert's this, funny. Yeah, so Colbert's a funny dude. But, I, you know, our political cartooning guests are really funny, too. Okay. From the San Diego Union Tribune, we've got Steve Breen on board. He does these comic strips, these comics daily. And the man is a Pulitzer Prize winner, I might add to it. He is on fire with the stuff that he does every day. I don't know how he thinks of it. He's a, such a talented artist as well. He gets so creative with yeah. the things that he draws. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And other uh, other folks that we got on board, uh, Mr. Lalo Alcaraz, who you might know from... Uh, La Cucaracha, and he has recently uh, come on board as the uh, cultural consultant on Coco for Pixar, and so he came on with that, so he's coming on board, and, you know, I'm just happy to meet the man. He is such a phenomenal, talented cartoonist, Mm. and Mm. so I'm just happy that he is on board. And then, of course, uh, for those of you who are uh, lucky enough to go to a Black Comic Expo uh, that we had here recently in San Diego, Mr. David G. Brown is coming on board. He's the political cartoonist for the Los Angeles Sentinel, Mm. and he recently just... uh, fixed up a uh, cartoon biography of uh, Barack Obama that uh, he got to meet Barack Obama for. That was really oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. And so he's going to be one of our guests as well. He was a really cool dude. And I really liked his uh, comic strip stuff. So I'm so nice. happy that we have these political cartoonists on board because I feel like in conventions, political cartooning is something that really gets omitted from... from yeah. It does because it's not really comic book, but it's comic book all day. You know what I mean? Especially when you put it in Yeah, the, like you're not going to find format. that at Comic-Con. You know, like, you know they're, what I mean? They're not gonna, like, nah. you know, unless you air Magruder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, that's political and famous and cartoons. Like, oh, you know, or dude who did Doomsbury. You know. Yeah, yeah. There's certain ones that get the props and they've been political forever. You know what I mean? But political cartoons is always that, like, like it's touchy funny. scenario. Comedy Central tried to do that with a, I don't know if you remember that cartoon, Little Bush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> George Bush, but he was tiny mm-hmm. and a little dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and it, it didn't last, but it, it was pretty no, funny. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's like presidential cartoons and comedy yeah. like that have a shelf life. As long as that president's in, you can probably run that. As long as they doing dumb stuff or whatever, 
you can do that, but it's just like really. Mm-hmm. It's just like the best one was in um in V for Vendetta. Remember that in that part in that movie where they they make fun of the president, mm-hmm. and then later on at night they come back and kill Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. that's gonna happen one day with some. Well, it happens in Mexico all the time, which was um how like how like last year with those fighters yeah. It was like they say, you know, you can do political stuff and all around the world, but you can get killed for it. Yes. So that's crazy. Here, oh, here you can do that, and you know, you don't have to worry about someone trying. All to you got to do is get, get, get. Until Trump tweets at you, just saying you're fake news. You're right? fake news. Yeah. I never did that. That's all you get. That's like such a person that said, "I didn't." It's like you hear a crash in the living room, and you go out there, and then it's Trump holding you know, over a broken glass <laughs> or some shit. He'd be like, "I didn't do that," and it's like, I'm not stupid. It's only me and you and this motherfucker and there's glass by your feet. Yeah. Fake news. And you the first to say you didn't do it. I'm just I didn't even ask the question I'm just, yet. I'm just starting comics and just say this is fake I comics. I didn't even fake ask comics. you about that yet. You already saying you didn't do it. Talking about fake news. Get off. Get off. Gone. I can't put up with you. So motherfuckers want to make cartoons. It's, it's, like, it's like making fun of the retarded kid or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, like, oh, let's make fun of him. Or let's make fun of the short person. Or the girl. It's like obvious. And I'm sitting like, mm, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm too highbrow. I like, I like, I like a little bit. I probably am. <laughs> I'm picking. You know I am. But like when it comes to the easy targets, like you yeah. know, because I had a homie was like, you should do some political cartoons about Trump. I was like, I could never, would never. That doesn't interest me at all. Yeah. It's just like, why would I? I wouldn't give that man the time of day to draw him with my honor him with my pencils, even to, to make fun of him. Yeah. Never. I, I would never. So I can't imagine. But that's for everybody else. Sure. You like comedy like that? Go get it. You know what I mean? That makes you smile. Amen. But for me, nah. I'm good, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nah. But, you know, to mix nah. things up, I also had the idea of inviting over uh, a, a more conservative uh, political cartoonist, but I just couldn't get in contact with him. I was then thinking of doing the uh, the guy who used to do the cartoons at the Union Tribune back in the day, Mr. Steve Kelly. He, mm-hmm. I loved his cartoons when he, when I was a little kid. It was like, wow, this guy's actually making fun of Bill Clinton. I thought it was like the ballsiest uh, thing. I, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, like, good, yeah, yeah, I remember I thought it was just like the, the ballsiest thing to be constantly making fun of the president in your cartoons. And that's I just what, thought that was I good. I know. That's, that's bold. Yeah. I, I, like, when I was a kid, I went to visit the Dayton Daily newspaper back in Ohio. Yeah. And I was trying, you know, just do the knowledge and, you know, you know, I'm an artist. I don't, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I don't know. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, what's up? Maybe a political cartoonist? You know, new, work for the newspaper? And I was just like, it's kind of comic book, but it's not. And I was just like, I'm just not political. I don't care. It's just like, it, it, I care, yeah. but I don't feel I can affect the world by drawing these cartoons like that. I could, but it's like I don't care. You could just I'd rather just, I'd rather draw the uh, Superman, yeah. the Incredible Hulk, Spider X Men. I'd much rather draw Excalibur. I'd much rather draw Nightcrawler than draw. I think the most. I never was into the. Like, I don't know. I do appreciate those artists. I do appreciate that art style, and to be able to come up with that type of um, comedy, yeah, regularly, and be able to knock it out the park all the time is is that's 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 a big big too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I will say, um, as close the far side, it's not political. But if that was political, I'd I'd be in that area. I'd be on that. That's that dude. Real quick though, amazing. Would you be able to do that, Matt? If I could draw, I mean, it's like you know, you you see the stupid. I can come up with that. I mean, I I come up with that kind of stuff in my head all the time. It's it's easy because it's just like I just. Wish I could. I just wish I had the extra money to pay artists to come into life. But I mean, I do it. I do it all the time. But it's like 
I just well, I'll just make a Facebook post about it instead. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I like the ideas, and of course they remain topical. But the whole thing is, you have to get them out quick before oh, they're not about, funny anymore. It's all about, like I said, before internet, before cell phones and shit, you get the newspaper. Yeah. It come out every day. Uh, you get the Sunday paper on on Sunday once a week. It is good. That's that's the most that's the most um, repetitious, expedient form of, of of getting it out as you could. Until now, now it's like, oh, I'm tweeting, motherfucker, this second. Yeah. Beat me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that. Now. It's a contest of who it's, can be funny. Who can be faster yeah. and funny? And, and then, like for me, I'm like, I don't, I don't play those games. So I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I hate art by committee, and I don't think art should be rushed. I hate when they rush artists, and I hate when it's art by committee. So for me, I'm like, if a motherfucker can do it naturally, like you said, you can come up with this shit naturally. And motherfucker can draw that shit, or you be like, you know, this is what this is, and people are into it. Then put it out there. Just put it out there. Just be solid. And put it out there. And if like, yeah, first, just be relevant. You know what I mean? If you can put enough of them out this week. To last for the next couple weeks and shit, yeah. while you build up more content, awesome. Because yeah. the internet, now, it's, the yeah. internet is a monster, and all it does is eat, eat, eat content. Yeah. Well, the next mean? thing I want to ask though is for the comic fest, what kind of like activities are you gonna have? Like, you know, is it what kind of activities? Well, of course, you know, we do have a lot of great panels. Paneling is always gonna be the strength of the event. We always try to pride ourselves as about putting the best programming forward because we get just packed rooms every time i think because you know i'm i'm a convention addict i go to cons every single weekend but like a lot of times you kind of just do it to hang out with people and you just forget to go to panels or whatnot because you get so go so lost in the mix it's just like man i miss going to panels but you know i'm on that hustle i got to make sure that things are going on one of my favorite panels that we get to do every year this uh team of lawyers called the legal geeks they come forward and they do they do talks Actual mock trials with an actual judge, actual jury, and that sort of thing. Okay. Putting forward these sort of geeky scenarios and bringing them into the political mix. And I'm, I mean, the uh, legal mix. And that was the coolest thing because. I'm a little a, confused. What is that again? So you, got, you, got, you got legal geeks who want to bring what they bring to the table and infusing with political. No, like a so like, like mock trial. So mock it's a mock trial. trial. Yeah. So. One, the one they did at Comic Fest two years ago was the trial of the Winter Soldier. One team of lawyers was trying to prove that the Winter oh, Soldier was guilty of his actions. Got the it. other one was debating that he is considered insane and should not be held liable for his actions. Recently, the legal geeks, they were doing a talk about a brewery about the legality of Star Wars. They were talking at, oh, it was at uh, WonderCon, actually. They talked, it was, the, the case was C-3PO and R2-D2 were suing the cantina bar for discrimination. <laughs> that's cool so they had no trials okay I like that I like on some Harvey Bark on some Harvey Birdman shit yeah. some Harvey Birdman shit I, I like, like that so, I like that now the one we're doing at comic that they're doing at comic fest this year they're gonna be doing a Frankenstein themed trial okay. for the murder of the, of the little girl should Frankenstein since he was reincarnated only a month after that happened should he be tried as a child and should Victor Frankenstein be held liable for his creation's murders hmm interesting yeah. Okay. I'd say now, yeah. Now I can see the the um, the wow of that makes sense, and it sounds 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 really cool now. Before you say, I was like, "What the hell is he talking about? Yeah. What is this?" You just see like eating like, yeah, popcorn and be like, "This is awesome." That's cool. That's it is cool. actually really awesome, and that's kind of you should film them. And post them on a YouTube channel. What, what's so even cooler is, you know, we actually be... have asked like a couple of artists to come forward, like to be our uh, our courtroom artists, and that's always that's, <laughs> that's always really that's cool. Cool, too. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for our Winter Soldier one, we had Eric Chanor be our courtroom Eric artist. Eric is awesome. Eric's Love awesome. Eric. Yeah. Love Eric. And it's just it, it's just such a fun time just it seeing is. all this in motion. It is, but like I said, you definitely should film it because yeah. it's something like that. Um, 
hell for prosperity for like YouTube or something like that. So people are like, oh, we do these mock blah 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 blahs. That can get out there on the internet and, and become viral or be cool like that. Cause like anybody doing that. And if they're real lawyers, actually, and they're geeks, and they're holding yeah. down like that, you got that's kind of like some lightning in the bottle that you should definitely, you know. Be yeah, you, you could see yeah. that as like episodes on YouTube, right? Because like the one I'm doing right. is like right. I'm looking right. at the Hulk right, right now, cases. and I could I could see like, like, like the, the Hulk. Should the Hulk be responsible like, like, for all the damage? Real you know? show. And of course, who was Hulk influenced by? Frankenstein. Yeah, merging Frankenstein basically is merging Frankenstein with Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yes, yes, it is. When you first say, I thought you was gonna be like, "Oh, these are low geek lawyers." I'm like, "Oh, they help people copyright shit." No. Like, I can break some characters up. They like, "How many car- copyright these motherfuckers? What what are they doing?" You're like, "Oh, they do mock trials." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." But can they give you legal advice? But like, this how you would, you know, if they're a little section, you're like, you know, any artist needs some legal advice on this and that, or who on this and blah blah blah, how to, you know, how to write these up or how to how to, you know, you want to get it going and start it. Yeah, because that, that'd be kind of cool too if they if they gave you like legal advice on how to start doing like yeah, your own comics, I mean, copyrights, the basic, and all that. Legal, the basic legalities of doing to a protect comic your own ass. Right, right, right. Because yeah. I know that the oldest oldest way of doing it is like taking your characters, write them up, put them in an envelope, and mail it to yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the poor man's copyright. And you never open it until you have to open it up in front of a judge yeah. or your lawyer or whoever. And that's a way to copyright your shit before internet, before all that shit. I'm like, that's important. Okay, yeah. Because there are cool. people, people who still don't do that. know that. People still do that. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. But people don't know about that. And I'm like, yeah, don't ever That's a cool forget. trick. I didn't know that. You know yeah, yeah. See? see? And that's, that's, how, that's, the, oh, that's the poor man's copyrights. Anything you make, you put it in an envelope. The post office sign, you know, puts a date on it, stamps it, and it's, it's, it's federal now. So if, as long as it's not open... It's 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 considered you good uh, you good you know so yeah that's it. so if your people's the lawyers talked about stuff like that or or had a panel or post or something like that I think that'd be very cool to for myself yeah I would go check that out and be like yo son just just refresh me on the legalities of uh, okay. you know who who or what you know if I'm if I'm creating something with somebody and um we have a Jack Kirby Stanley scenario where I'm like yeah dude um, said a sentence. Sparked my creativity, and I went off and designed a whole world about it. Yeah, is he owed money for Who it? Or what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. How does that work out? You know, how do you write that up in, in, in papers and stuff? That's 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 very invaluable information and important to the culture. Yes, <laughs> that <laughs> is also America cool. and, and, and just handling the legal system and stuff like that. And that's also, cool. uh, while we're getting onto the, uh, well, since you gives a very animated response on that, I thought I'd segue into our some of our animation guests. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So who here likes cartoons? Me, All of you, I do, right? I do. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I'm just gonna tell you some of our uh, animation guests that we got on board for Comic Fest. So if you're a fan of stuff like GI Joe, Tiny Toon Adventures, Batman the Animated Series, and Thunder the Barbarian, we've got Buzz Dixon on board mm. coming on. For... What he do? What he do? He literally wrote every '80s cartoon. Damn. It's it's amazing to just to look at his IMDb and just nice, see like. Nice. My Little Pony, Teenage right, Mutant right, Ninja right, Turtles. Right, it's right, like, right, dude, right. what did you not write back in the 80s? It was just like... He's like, like Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> yes, I think oh, he, he did Jim too. Damn. He, he, <laughs> just Buzz has this insane career of stuff like back in the 80s. Back when everything was just toy Free advertisements. Yeah. Yeah. Toy yeah. advertisements to scars as cartoons. That's all we needed, though. I was like, just, that's all we needed. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, just advertise to me uh, Transformers. You know, the, I want to buy the toys. If I can't get the toys, I want to live vicariously through the TV show. Yeah. That's all I give a fuck about. That's, you know and I mean? that's awesome. Go out there and talk about it with my homies on the playground. 
play with their toys. All right, yeah. And then another guest I'm happy to have back on board for his third year of row at uh, San Diego Comic Fest is Mr. John Semper. He uh, wrote my all-time favorite cartoon, the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon, which yeah. was my jam. So uh, he also became the first black showrunner in the early 1980s nice. when he became... Uh, when he became the lead writer for Fraggle Rock, a job given to him by... Uh, Fraggle Rock. Yep. <laughs> Fraggle Rock forever. Wakanda style. Yep. <laughs> that job was given to him by Jim Henson. Really? Mm-hmm. The man with the plan. Wow. man with the plan, yeah. And then, of course, you know, he's also got some time working with George Lucas and Stan Lee, among other things. So he's uh, worked with some, uh, you know, some low, the some heavy hitter type guys. Yeah. And he recently wrapped up a run at DC uh, drawing Cyborg. So I'm really happy to have oh, him back good. on board because just he's such a wonderful, friendly guy. And he's got such a strong animation career. And mm. I'm just happy to have him on board. Mm. Uh, also, along with Spider-Man, I'm also, was also a very big fan of the X-Men cartoon of the 90s. So who the was X- it? Uh, who wasn't? So... Eric, uh, Eric and Julia Luald, who were the writers of the show, are coming back on board, as well as producer Larry Houston. Hmm. And Larry actually worked on the pilot episode for the X-Men show, Pride of the X-Men, that a lot of us remember. It was done no, with the John... Was, that was my drill. It was that like, was my it, it was a John Byrne. It, it was like... It was like... It was like... Ugh. The animation... The animation was like... like it was like, it was like G.I. jokes. It was like It was, G. 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 It was a good animation, though. Yeah. It was like, what, so did they, what are you, the uh, Korean or Japanese artists to do them, uh, yeah. G.I. Joe's and all them back in the day? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just American. They went overseas and got yeah. that shit. It was a good animation. Yeah. And so when they, you know, brought it back over here, it was just like, and that, in the 80s, it was like, oh, that's just good. You know, it's just animation. I'm like, no, that's, that shit's good. <laughs> it's especially compared to now, like, good. Because, yeah, and it's good. And I love that VHS tape. I watched it till it wouldn't work oh, anymore. I, I got that on DVD, son. I watched the Pride of the yeah. X-Men. Yeah. Pride of the X-Men. Just and- the one he brought. And I'm like, and, what? Wolverine, yeah. Wolverine didn't even have a fucking... He had an Australian accent or some shit. And the thing is, I, I learned the story of that. So I talked with uh, I talked with Larry at uh, at the Pasadena Comic-Con when I was inviting him to the show because I actually was so busy that I didn't get a chance to talk with him at last, mm-hmm. year's, so, mm-hmm. last year's Comic Fest. Mm-hmm. So... I was talking with him about, like, you know, I loved it, and I saw you guys to hit the promotions on it hard. You had the arcade game come out. You had a toy line come out. I loved, uh, I loved that game. Dazzler was banging in that motherfucker. Nightcrawler. Yeah. Which, which game was that? Was that that? It was, it was X-Men. The X-Men arcade game. Yeah, the, the, the four-player four, four yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was dope. I, I That's thought that was based off the... Fox one. No, no, that was the later ones. Because the the oh, thing okay. is, they they went hard on that pilot episode, but it never got picked up. And that Larry, was and, it, and if, that would have been banging. That would have been banging. But <gasps> of course, here's the thing. I asked Larry about it, and I said, "What was up with uh, the Australian voice Wolverine?" He told me, "Listen, I got to do whatever I wanted for the show to make it awesome, but I had to work out a compromise." Mm. He says. Crocodile Dundee was the most popular movie at the time. Shut the fuck up. And so they wanted a character with an Australian accent. And then he said, Pyro Pyro already has an Australian accent. And he says, no, Wolverine, why is he having an Australian accent when he's Canadian? Right. But the the studio would not relent, and so Wolverine was forced to have an Australian accent. Shut the fuck up. That's crazy. That's one of those things. When I watched, I was like, I love Australian Motherfuckers, yeah. I love Australians. It's amazing. As soon as he was like, "Oi!" I was like, "This motherfucker is from Canada. What the deal, Yeah. So Larry, Larry's <laughs> so great when it comes to comes uh, um, to uh, stuff. So yeah, he would. He was, and later on, they brought all them back to work on the 
other X-Men cartoon of the 90s, which lasted six seasons, and they oh, get some oh, great yeah. stories to tell at Comic Fest, but they barely scratched the surface, so they got more. Larry also worked on Johnny Quest, uh, the mm. RoboCop cartoon, the mm. Karate Kid show, mm. Captain Planet. Captain yep. fucking Planet. The Care Bears, Care and G.I. Joe. Half the battle. Oh, yeah. Damn. And uh, so there's uh, he's got you know quite the uh, repertoire of animation under his belt. Um, other guests that are coming on board, Mr. Floyd Norman, who got started working as the first black animator in, at Disney in 1956. Wow. He, What's the name again? Floyd Norman. Floyd Norman. He spent a decade working with Walt Disney. Damn. I'm trying to remember his name, man. Yeah, and so black. Hey, I always love a blackout. Yeah, and he's coming on board. Also, another good Disney guest that we got on board is Mr. Willie Ito is going to be swinging by for a day. He uh, he animated that spaghetti kissing scene from from uh, Lady, Lady and the, the Tramp. Tramp. Oh, really? That's so cool. then, of course, he worked on Beanie and Cecil. He worked on yeah. Jetsons, Flintstones, yeah. Yogi Bear. He's got a great animation career under his nice, belt. Nice, nice, nice resume. And then, of course, on the Jack Kirby side of things, like I mentioned, Mike Royer is coming back. And then uh, on more comic history side, Mr. Mark Evanier, who is, you know, you see him at Comic-Con, moderating everything. People think that I am pretty well-versed when it comes to comic history. I am not a drop in the ocean compared to Mark Evanier and the knowledge (laughs) that that guy has. He is just such a phenomenal guy. And also, we're happy to have cartoonist Scott Shaw back on board, bringing the Oddball Comics uh, lectures to the schedule. Scott Shaw, didn't he do Captain Carrot? He did Captain Carrot. That's my And he just, and as of this... And, yep, and as of this week, favorite, we have just one of my favorite books. Oh yeah, we have debuted the new with uh, the new Comic Fest uh, cre- new Captain uh, Comic Fest mascot that he has designed for us. He's sort of a Latino character, and uh, let me show you. Uh, let me the, see what he looks like. I'll show you what he looks like. Put my, you... my version on the, on the table, then. Okay, we'll, we'll put this up on Instagram so you guys can see. Okay, I'm so sure if you follow Matt on his. Here's the new Comic Fest guy that Scott has designed for us. What? Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. He got a bird on his chest, or whatever. Seagull from Seagull from San Diego. Yeah, we, I, I you know, it just. And I he's, had, like, he's Hispanic. It should have been Hispanic, of course. Yeah, and he, he came up with a whole. <laughs> and here is the shirt for this year that he what? designed for us. The Frankie 2000. Fire back! Oh, they got, yeah, they got the uh, uh, big ass cake with all the fi- uh, two hundred candles on. It's on fire, and Frank's like. And uh, oh, you oh, might oh, notice oh, this uh, little pint-sized hero right here. Does he look familiar? Nah, who is that? It's Adrian. Yeah, I was about to say, is that Adrian? Oh, okay. Yeah, Scott. Scott really likes Adrian. He's like, wait, because like when I first introduced Adrian to Scott, yeah. he's like, Adrian, this is Scott Shaw. He created Captain Carrot. Like, you created Captain Carrot. Captain Carrot is the greatest superhero it ever. Is. He's the leader. He he's the leader of the Intergalactic Neighborhood Watch and all this stuff. He's like, and like Adrian is like spouting off all these yeah, facts yeah, about yeah, Captain. Yeah. And Scott's like. This kid knows more about the character I created than I do. And I said, well, that's not even his favorite superhero. Adrian, tell Scott, who's your favorite superhero? Buona Beast. And Scott, if you've ever attended Oddball Comics, he loves to make fun of Buona Beast yeah, so much yeah, back in the day. Right. And Scott's just like, in a, like Buona Beast? You like Buona <laughs> Beast? Buona Beast? Oh, yeah, Adrian loves Buona Beast. And ca- <laughs> the and fact like, that he made him Hispanic, with the, with, you could tell, it's like, that's... that's that's hardcore. I like and it. we still don't have a name for him yet. We've been calling him Festival, maybe nah, Don Diego. He's nah, based nah, off of a character that Scott created back in the 70s as a promotional for Pacific Comics. Yeah, he's, like, I'm about to draw my version of that dude right there, too. Oh, like yeah, he, he, he is dope. And there's a little koala, I guess. Yeah, who's like, koala for? What's that? I don't know. It's like koala because... Yeah, it's yeah. like you think San Diego Zoo. You think maybe like one thing like maybe like Festival Diego Koala. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe it's like what if we were to give them all like SDCF names. That would be cool. It's SD, like, you know, what is it? it's like, like we're thinking like festival, um, like, co- like, Koma Koala or something. I will come up with it. And the girl, yeah. it's like, and then of course, 
the Adrian's little. Oh, and I'll spell San Diego Comic Fest. Yeah, SDCs. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be something cool. That could but be like over people's heads. I'm saying just keep it simple, like you know. Like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll just call him Festival for now on. Festival. For now, huh? For now. Captain Festival. Captain Festival. Festival for now. Captain Festival for now. Captain Festival. I'll see, look at you putting your little, little accent there on There you go. Stop, ah, la, 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 la. Wait, you made the guy... Roll your R's! That's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it weren't for Ruffles, I would not be knowing about that. Call him Senor Cantina. Nope. <laughs> no. I like Festival Senor right now. Sinesta? For now, <laughs> Festival is good. And if you put an accent on it like Festival, I ain't mad at that. Festival. Festival. That's, that's not an accent, that's just how I say it. Because you're Hispanic. <laughs> Holmes, right? <laughs> Homie. Yeah, so. Ese, don't you know I loco? No. I said all weird dudes. And then, you know, we got a other uh, some other great uh, repeat offenders. Uh, William Stout is coming back to the show. Oh, Will Stout? Bill Stout's going to be back nice. again. He you does know, nice dinosaurs and all that shit. He does he nice everything. You he does, he does. I just remember him being like the dinosaur man. Back in the day, when I when I was like young in the industry, trying to figure out like who's what, what's what, yeah. And I remember like buying art books and you know checking like people's stuff. His was like he 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 was ill with the dinosaurs, you know. And I'm like that's and everything else, but he's he he you could tell yeah he loved dinosaurs. <laughs> you know? Also on the side of things, uh, you know, we also have some, many guests of uh, science and science fiction that are coming on board. We've got you know. NASA Einstein postdoctoral fellowship uh, winners from UC Santa Barbara, professor of physics coming on board. We've got, you know, payload engineers. And it's like, it's so great to bring on the science guests that we have every year because the science guests are the guys that'll be like, ah, 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 here's how it should really happen. Because a lot of these guests are coming on board thanks to uh, an old physics professor that, uh, that I... I didn't actually study under him, but I went to visit his office hours a lot. It's a guy named Dr. Roger Friedman, who wrote the book University Physics, which is a physics book that every yeah. college campus uses. And he was one of the guys who helped found Comic-Con back in the day. He was part of that crew. He was like yeah. childhood best friends with Scott Shaw. And it's, it's so great that he went on to have a career in the sciences. And then, uh, just because we don't forget the science fiction side of things, uh, our special guest of honor for science fiction is Miss Nancy Kress, who's won... Nebula Awards, Hugo Awards, and it's just pretty much written everything under the sun, and I am just, like, so thrilled that we have all these science fiction guests on board. So even if you're not into comics, maybe the science fiction aspect of science to you. Because, you know, Frankenstein, it was the original science fiction. Yeah. It was the first story that really added science to the fiction. But the most important thing is they never explained that science. Because as soon as you explain... Lightning struck him, it brought him to life. Yeah, the most basic of both of most basic things too. But of course, the whole thing is like as soon as you explain the science in your fiction, the scientists will be like, eh. Oh, of course, of course. That's like when people use quantum physics in comics. Yeah. Like I said, if you want for comics, I wouldn't know what the fuck that is, you know. But then there are characters who have the ability, like Quantum Kid from Legion of Superheroes, and you'd be like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? And she's throwing energy bubbles at things, yeah. and the writer would be like, well, it affects things on a basic. Level, you know, you can you know speed up the time, or and 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 the uh, disintegration of something. You know, you can make something age really quickly if you hit it with enough quantum energy. And I'm like, is that it? It's like I remember. Um, I think it was the History Channel. They did the science of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and like it was a pretty cool little show. They were just saying like, okay, no, first of all, you can't hear anything in space, so you it would it be a laser oh, fight, it's and then like lightsabers go this way uh-huh. and that way and all that. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's that's a cool part of just listening to somebody who actually knows it because like i still want to read a book that's like breaking down the inventions of reed richards or breaking down oh, iron yeah. man's well, shit or know, batman yeah. stuff well, like well, no that can't say, work in I the real say, world um, i can or not 
on Nerdist, there's a cat who um, does break down comic book stuff scientifically. Like, Did Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, no, no. Oh. So, I forgot his name. White dude. Uh, young. Um, Kyle? Kyle something, I think. Uh, but um, he's on Nerdist, which is a YouTube channel. And then, like, um, he'll explain, like, um, oh, is Wolverine's, it? At, like, adamantium. Yeah. What the fuck's really is up with adamantium. Or how, how high the, the Hulk can jump, you know, technically. Yeah. Or, you know, or just, just breaking down certain things like that. Like, you know, explaining some comic book and And that's, a, and that's always the cool thing I can do. Because if I ever have these physics questions, I'll just ask Dr. Friedman. It's like, hey, uh, Roger, how uh, right. how much propulsion does the shield helicarrier need to float? Well, he's right, like, right, okay, right, this will be right. like these sort of jet right, engines right, getting right. at this much lift. Right, right. Like, can they actually make a shield hover car yeah. type scenario? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But the cool thing is, it's it's great to hear the scientists talk about this because they bring the reality to it. They say what they do like about the reality. And you mind, a lot of these guys are coming, uh, they would do talks at the San Diego Comic Art Gallery as well, talking about, like, could vampire outbreaks and zombie outbreaks actually feasibly happen? They talk about, you know, parasites that actually do bring it to the table. So they bring the, they don't dismiss it, but they say, here's some realistic scenarios. That's why I thought Reed Richards was always cool because he was a scientist of the Marvel Universe. He's like, I'll solve it with this. You know what I mean? Science gun. You know what I mean? Even though he right? made a little shit made up, and it's like he was only as smart as the writers. Yeah. But I'm like, there are things that he would talk about that did educate me and open me up to real things in life. Like, like actually giving a fuck about molecules. Mm. You know, well, I'm sure that's, subatomic that's, level shit. Yeah. You know, or thinking in that range. You know what I mean? Protons and like you know electrons and stuff like that. It's just like. But that, that's you, how you I'm learn, sure learn, a lot of people got into it. that. Well, you, like, know? you learn it in school, but then when you get out, unless you're a scientist, you don't give a fuck about it. Yeah. And then so you're reading a book, and so a character who's smart is like, oh, you know, this is the breakdown of this and this. And then you're like, okay, so this cat can't sound dumb because he's a smart character. Yeah. And the writer can't write him dumb because he'd be a bad writer. So there must be some, some facts going down. Yeah, because yeah, the, the thing about Fantastic Four that people often forget is... The approach to making Fantastic Four good this is this. You look at the best runs of Fantastic Four, which mm-hmm. are the Stan and Jack, the John Byrne, John Byrne. and the Mark Wade. Those are the three best yeah, runs. Yeah. Now, here's, here's the thing. The approach to making it good is Fantastic Four is just a science fiction comic disguised as a superhero comic. Yeah. That's the best way of doing it, because all the best best creative teams make it a science fiction story about exploration and the science and family but you know there's certain runs that where they focus more on like you know superhero fights this superhero and it gets lost in translation it's best when it's done as a science fiction story for my science fiction exploration and family you know that's the fantastic four if i got a superheroes they're scientists it's lost in space but without the powers well, with powers. Lost with in space with powers. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean is Lost in Space is without it's the It's Challengers of the Unknown, except with challenges. Except <laughs> they being challenged. I feel that. I feel that. It's like a... Uh, it's okay, because Jack made both. You, are you... Uh, just, just side slide, don't know. Like, yeah, have you, any of y'all messing with the Terrifics? No. I, picked up the, I picked up the first issue. I haven't read it yet. I, I, I heard it's really I, good. I, had to, I got one and two. I have, I'm one of those people I would buy comics and don't read them for a month later. It's kind of weird. But if, like, I, I just got, don't have time to read. Yeah, okay. Well, if like, I, I get, have great podcasts to, j- to guest on. That is true. That is true. But it's like I love that they took their it's DC's version of the Fantastic Four. I think DC's on the tip. They're just like, you know what? We don't give a fuck. We're just going to bite Marvel hardcore. But yeah. leave the thing is, they, leave they, teeth marks. Yeah, but the thing is, they're doing it really well with the they, Which they should. About, about, DC has always been lackluster to me. 
lackluster artists, lackluster stories, and they get every now and then they get a hard on. Yeah. Every now and then, but that's when they bite somebody else's shit. So when they did um, Identity Crisis, yeah. I think they were taking a little bit of Wild Storm, you know, Edge, and putting it into that or whatever. Uh, that's like when they do, um, what well, they had to bleed, uh, in, which is like the membrane in between dimensions now and then DC Universe, which they took from Wildstorm. So it's just like, it's, it's you know, anything that's a little cool, a little, 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 like, yeah, they bite hardcore. Yeah. So, and, and I'm cool with it as long as you bring quality. So they've recently been like, DC is going to, we're going to do less books, but we're going to get better artists, better writers, choice characters. And I'm like, cool. So once they ran through all the Justice League, yeah. now they're like, well, let's do some, some new shit. So the new shit is, like I said, they're doing... Um, Damage, which is like their version of the Hulk. Yeah. You know, any of the old school characters called Damage, they just re- revamped him and said, we're going to Hulk him out. Fuck it. He's attacking Hulk out for an hour and just, he's built to destroy shit and he's a military um, uh, project. Yeah. And so that's, but he's like the Hulk basically. And so the Terrifics is basically like the Fantastic Four. Cause like, Terrific? Fantastic. Yeah. So then it's like it's led by Mr. Terrific, which I like. I'm all, like I said, I'm all about the blackout. Yeah. So they got lead, dude, black dude, Mr. Terrific, leading. Uh, the Terrifics, and he's like, you know, their version of the Fantastic Four, he's, he's Reed Richards, uh, smart, but they have Plastic Man in there. Yeah. So that's, so Plastic Man and Mr. Terrific form Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. They got element, uh, um, um, So using characters that are already, already, existing. already been yeah. in the that's like, that's like, a, that's like, um, Phantom Girl, who's a Legion of Superhero character, who's like Shadow Cat. Yeah. She's Invisible Woman for this room. So she can okay. fade through things and shit. She can go through shit. So she's the invisible woman of this group. And then there's um, um, Metamorpho, the element man. Yeah. He's like the thing. So he's big okay. and he's strong. But he's like also like he, can, he can turn into any element. So he can like turn into gas, turn into liquids, turn into whatever the fuck he want. But he's just like a big gnarly looking dude and shit. So he's like the thing. So I'm like, okay. Somebody's like, we're going to do the Fantastic Four, become the Terrifics. And it's fucking these motherfuckers. And I haven't read them. But I want to say there's something that makes them stick together. They have to stick together. They can't separate or whatever. Yeah. It keeps them as a group. But they're also introducing Tom Strong. And oh, I love really? Tom Strong. Tom Strong is a, is a Wild Storm character created by Alan Moore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's based... Tom Strong said it? Tom Strong. Yeah. What? Yes. So Tom Strong is like... Um, he's Alan Moore's version of Superman for ABC Comics. Yeah. Tom but, Strong was such a fun book. Amazing book. It's such forward thinking too. Super Strong... Near vulnerable and everything like that. Super smart. And like, um, in this world, the heroes are science heroes. So they use science yeah. to do heroic things and shit. And I was like, that is dope. He's, he, he was raised on an island um, in, like, in, in near Africa. A lot of natives. They're all black and everything. His parents were in the science and they crashed and died. Sort of like the Tarzan. He basically has the Tarzan. Like Tarzan. He was Tarzan, 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 Tarzan Steve's. You know what I mean? But the thing is this. He's like, on the island, he's raised by all these uh, black natives. Mm-hmm. And so he's... he's Growing up with black people. So when he finally comes back to the mainland, he takes the um, the princess who he grew up with and marries her. So he got a black woman as his wife. And they have a ch- and they have a daughter. So I'm sitting like interracial love. Love it. I'm yeah. all about it. You know what I yeah. mean? And then like And the just, thing is the coolest thing about them is they eat this root that makes sure uh, they the never age. Root. The galoka the galoka plant. The galoka plant, which makes their uh, not age. And so like their daughter, she's sixty five, but looks like she's about like twenty. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Her name was Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, shit like that. It's like named after uh Tesla. Yeah. Named his daughter Tesla and everything. They have a, a, a ape manservant. Um what the fuck is his name? Ape what is his name? The monkey. But he's like, Watson, not Watson. What is it? You remember? He was, uh, he talks. 
and he's like real intelligent and all that shit. But it's like it's, it's I love Tom Strong. It was an amazing, an amazing adventure. And the fact yeah. that they're bringing him back for um, to DC Comics now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm on board like a train. Toot toot, motherfucker. <laughs> toot toot. Yeah. I'm all on board. Yeah, I, I'm still iffy with them bringing back a lot of these Alan Moore characters. Why? It's like, they I mean, were it's genius. Like, I know they're genius, but Alan Moore from what England? Yeah. Did it get the chance like when like when when Scott Dumbeer, who was work, who who was in the beginning just Jim's art rep, hmm. who had an office in Wildstorm. I got there when he was introduced to us. We was like, who the fuck is this cat? Yeah. You know what I mean? Who is he? Really? We didn't think anything. He's like some dude dealing with Jim's art. Who cares? What power does he have? But the thing about Scott is he knows everybody of note in comics. And they know him. And they, you know, like, so when he's like, yo, Alan Moore, what's up? I'm over here at Wildstorm. Would you want to do a book label? Would you want to run some shit over here? And he's like, hmm, what if I can call it ABC? America's best comics. And I'm like, that nigga bold as hell. <laughs> And they were. They were. They were. At that yeah, time, yeah. just in general, they were. They were just hitting on all cylinders. It was just like, damn the arrogance, but it's so factual. Yeah, and so, like, you know, that was happened pre to the DC merger in 1998. Yeah. For many of us, I mean, I heard the stories about that whole concept about, like, what it was, like, Jim and Scott had to go over to over to Great Britain to meet with Alan Moore because they wanted to say in person. Yeah. And they said, like... Because he'll tell you fuck off. Put yeah. Spell on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like shit. Put some voodoo on you. And I, you know, they, I heard it was an incredibly tense meeting, but eventually really? they said it's just, oh, he, they said, okay, yeah, he'll, but he just, you know, went along with it. He just said he wanted to be, you know, left alone for things. Cause yeah, I know yeah, he still has that, that, that whole thing. He's like, I'll put my name on it, just don't fuck with me. Let me do whatever fuck I want, and don't fuck with me, and I'll, you can put my name on it. Yeah. That's the type of deal that I want. I'm like, just leave me the fuck alone, let me create. <laughs> just back the hell up. Let me create. Yeah, because I mean, when I heard that they were, you know, bringing back Promethea into uh, the DC universe, and so are they it, bringing her back? Yeah, I've, in DC. Well, no. well, well, well. That's amazing. I love Promethea. The way they end, the way he ended the book was amazing too. Like, say her. I've actually run. not finished it yet because I've, I've made it through two out of the three absolutes. But when I was reading it, I could not read more than one issue a day because it oh, was like that. It sense. was it's dense. It's, it's dense. It's dense, especially when she goes to the um, the immaterial, mm-hmm. into the, the, the imaginary world or whatever. Yeah. He does, his writing is just so thorough and thick and just real with it. He had a scene in there where it's like the characters are on, a, uh, I forgot, the, the Infinity Loop, uh, Infinity 8 thing. Yeah. So the story, the, the panels, the way it's drawn, the way it's written, everything, these characters are walk. They, they stumble onto this Infinity Loop. And as they walk and talk, the conversation goes and it loops back around and they get caught in a loop. And as you're reading it, you're caught in that loop with them. So you're reading the same shit over and over, and it's like you, you just get used to turning it. See what it is? You're like, oh yep, shit! I remember that one. I'm looping just like these motherfuckers. Yeah. He does shit that that makes you turn the book around. He makes you yeah. does. He you 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 he he, he 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 makes you. He immerses you in it. He educates you in it. And it's so deep. It's so like I, when it was coming out, I was down with it, but I wasn't down. You know, I wasn't yeah. all into it. And then afterwards, I got the trades and was able to sit down and just really like read them and shit. I was like this shit is just genius. Alan Moore is a. He's well, that's a, he, that's he why they're is doing. The, uh, I'll like this. He is the comic god. I will say this. Jack, Jack Kirby, Watchmen Alan Moore, John Byrne, gods. Yeah. Gods. That's why Watchmen and like is now in the like, with Batman and all that shit. Yeah. Well, like I said, Watchmen was one of those books that they were colleges that were it was required reading. Or yeah. it was, it was, you can you can read that you know and like in college and shit. 
and you know, and they study break it down. That book was so it was it was it was groundbreaking, revolutionary, different. Different, but of course, the way people approach Watchmen these days, like they think as they put it, they think as it's like, oh, it's it's like the definitive like graphic novel. Like I will straight up it's say this: I do not graphic, think I, say definitive I, do, I will novel. not call it the definitive Never. graphic novel. No, no, nor do I no. think this is great introductory. Kingdom Come will be more of a definitive. Yeah. Nor do I think that Watchmen is great introductory reading material. No, no it is it's not. Like, no, it this is, is not. for this is that for is this is for deep seated yeah. superhero yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are for motherfuckers who who know superheroes. If you dabble superheroes understand appreciate it plus or, or if you just like uh dense reading you like you like good reading you like you like character development then you like you want to you, you know you're a reader read that if you just want to you know i want to get into comics don't read watchmen yeah you, if you just want to get into watchmen it will, it, will, like, it, will, it will it will make you feel weird what i always say is if somebody wants to get into it just skip the parts where the newsstand where he's reading oh, yeah, the yeah, comic yeah, yeah. i if but you see, skip but that then but it's see, a little bit know, better if you but know about still... comics you would skip those yeah. and come back later when you're done with the whole book. Yeah. And like, Let me read these little in-betweeners. But I've you, never actually read the in-betweeners. I've read Watchmen once and then I've actually never touched it again. Yeah. I want to say for me, I read it when I was a uh, teenager, younger. And then I read it again, I want to say after the movie. So when after the movie, I did read, I read it like all the way. So that was when I read the newspaper clippings yeah. and all this shit. I, I just read the whole damn thing through. You know? Yeah, the, the, the book, what is it called? The... Uh, that uh, the superhero wrote in the end of the of the actual comic. Remember, like in the movie, he writes a book, a tell-all book about the superheroes. That's what you read at the end of each uh, issue oh, of yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, at the same time, I was like, I don't yeah, really yeah. want to read this shit. I just read one issue <laughs> of Watchmen. I'm done. I'll right, put it down. Right, right. Just like Matt said, like I, I would have like... just stopped reading it after one. But I somehow I was like, I gotta read it again and again. It's one of those books, again, like, a, like any good movie, any good book. You read it once or twice. You read it. You watch it once or read it once. Then you come back again and you notice other shit. Yeah. You notice new shit. I think I read through Invincible. You know when a new when a new um, compendium will come out. Yeah, I read it from I start from one, and then read all the way up to the new book. You know just because I would new learn new stuff, see new stuff, things would connect and click that I'm reading. You know, um, in the new books that like, I did, they hinted that in the first books. I didn't know that. So you read it over again. You get all that good information, all that good bean footage. You now, know. what I'm wondering is, since they're bringing back Watchmen and all these other characters he made, would they ever bring back V? V for Vendetta? Yeah. Why? Why, Why? not? Like, well, they, 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 made a, just, they just, made a movie. Yeah, I know. It was amazing book. But the book, the book what in the there. Book? Why, only, what are they going to do with I it? I know. Only thing else you can probably do it's, is an animated like a, adventure, but, like, really? Stop Lex Luthor or some shit. No. You know? You because, never know. Because, like, for me, nah. I know I'm hearing good things about the, you know, Doomsday Clock Watchmen thing. I might, I'm, I'm reading it. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I love Jeff Johnson. I love Gary Frank. Gary Frank is among my favorite artists out there. Amen. But, you know, when, before Watchmen came out, notice how it was the most talked about comic book of all time before it came out. And now, after it's come out, nobody talks about it. Because it was all about that movie. Was like, movies is, a, is the, movie, comic book movies are like the blessing and the curse of comics. Because, but before, now, but because now there's a ceiling. Now, where you can go after a movie? They do video games. They do cartoons. Unless you're going to get a, a play on, on, uh, on Broadway. What else? Like Spider-Man? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Spider-Man. It's like, well, make a movie. Yeah. There's nothing past. Until they make holodecks. It's just the movies. Yeah, so now they got Beef and Vendetta. It's got a movie. I mean, I will, it's a wrap. I will admit to reading all of the before Watchmen titles. But for me, it was this. Before Watchmen proved that you can take the most talented writers and talented artists in the entire uh, in the entire comic industry, 
put them on Watchmen books, and they still won't be very memorable. Yeah. Watchmen was very much a product of its era. And yeah. I think that it just needed that. Well, I will say that is it, it is commendable, interesting, and cool, from my perspective, that DC is taking um, a real... They're taking, yeah, they're taking a real, like, go go get it to, to merge these characters into the DC universe. Because they like, we got the rights, we got the, we can do what we want with them. Alan Moore is like, I'm not fucking with y'all at all. Yeah, he, 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 when, he was like, I don't want y'all to make this movie, and I cursed this movie. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't want no money from this movie, I want nothing from this shit. I just wrote the book, and it was a rap, and I, I made this, I made what it is. Anything beyond this, I ain't fucking with y'all. I curse it. And so to put a move, so for Zack Snyder, be like, we're gonna make the most faithful adaptation to like Watchmen movies, and Warner Brothers put the money behind it, whoever, and it's a big movie now, and it's all this other shit, and they're doing new books with the characters in them. Yeah. Alan's like, nope, I ain't got nothing to do with y'all. Well, I, I think I, the best critique on that is his uh, cameo appearance on The Simpsons when he was signing at that comic store, and oh, Milhouse yeah. goes up to him and is like, Mr. Mr. Moore, would you sign my copy of Watchmen Babies and V for Vacation? <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. That's comedy. That should be your next thing since you wow. did X Babies, do Watchmen Babies. Watch Babies. <laughs> Watch Babies. <laughs> wow, V for Vacation. Dark Horse Babies, that's it. Just do wow. that. No, that's just... That's, that's, pure, that's pure genius comedy right there. Though. Because I'm sure Alan Moore is like, nope. Get nope. out of here with that Get shit. Because if you know, you'd be like, he ain't fucking... How dare you take was my shit Was that the same back? episode it, with uh, Neil Gaiman where they did like the superhero league and they all ripped their shirts off and they're all buff? Yeah. Neil Gaiman wasn't <laughs> in that one. Art Spiegelman was there yeah. and uh, Dan Klaus was also the guest. But of course they ripped their shirts off and then you know, it goes through. That was, that was a cool That's episode. That's hilarious. So the Neil, wow. the Neil Gaiman episode of the, of the Simpsons was really good too and I like how he ended it at the beginning. It's like, I got another book written and all I did was have to swindle a little girl to do it. Yeah. And the best part of all is I don't even know how to read. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I think the Simpsons is awesome, dude. Like Simpsons, they're able to just get funny. any like fucking said, bug. And if anyone who who says that Simpsons isn't funny anymore, then you're obviously not watching modern Simpsons. I'll straight yeah. up say it. It's still I funny. Say, I will say, when I started watching more of the modern Simpson episodes or whatever, I don't know if it's me or what, but I did see a lot of. I don't know how people are gonna take it. I don't care. But it's just like a lot of um, devil liking in it. A lot of more like you know like you know it's okay to 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 like the devil yeah. devilish shit is funny now or just whatever it's, it's it's just it's just more of those tones in it that I'm like ooh that's am I seeing that is it just me are they doing more devil cool shit than than ever before I don't, I don't fuck with it as much you know what I mean um, it's like South Park they always have Illuminati. to get dirtier and but dirtier see, but yeah, kind of true, shit. true and I feel that no but it's like South Park is what South Park started with Santa Claus versus Jesus yeah so like anything after that is just like yeah, right. it's just South Park. But Simpsons will start off with, like, you know, Cowabunga dude eating my shorts. Yeah. You know, just the troubles of Bart Simpson being a, a bad kid. And then it was like they found out the real humor is you can do anything to Homer. Yeah. So they got their formula. So now it's a matter of are they running out of subjects or anything, which I don't know. Because I'm like, some of the things they do, I'm just like, it's kind of pagan worshipy. It's, it's yeah. kind of, it makes me feel weird. And I don't like that. I like to be able to watch it and just enjoy myself because they are yeah, funny. Because for me, like, for me, I will straight up say it. I think Simps- The Simpsons is the best creative fictional universe because you can tell any kind of story you want. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, be, you know, crazy with the Treehouse of Horror episode. Yeah. You can, you, can you know, that. be funny. You can, you know, you can take into a, like, you know, a political thriller or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I think Simpsons is the best fictional universe 
But for me, I think Scrooge McDuck is the best fictional character because you can't get a bad story out of Scrooge. No, every, he's, he's rich and he loves his nephews. And, 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 he, and he, every he's penny, looking for more money. And mm-hmm. that every penny in that vault, he's got a story about how he got it. Yeah, and the thing is, he knows every penny. Yeah. That's the thing. Oh, this is that that date on this and that. This, oh, this is that penny from that day. Damn. I'm like, damn, Scrooge. Yeah. The, you you are the epitome of a Scrooge. Now, for any future comic fest, would you guys ever do something Simpsons related or have something like that? I wouldn't dic- be opposed to Simpsons related better stuff. Better question. Better question. How, what dictate? What di- not dictates? <laughs> dictates. Dictates. What dictates? What <laughs> the Simpsons like? Yeah. Okay. What dictates the <laughs> themes for the show? Like, what, like I know you said Fra- Frankenstein. Nobody's really doing it. Um, so yeah, like we're gonna do this thing for this, and, and then just Frankenstein it all out. We, what dictates that? Like, would you have timing? Like, we, we, is we, it timing? Is it like would you do Silver Hawks? Would you do like you know just you know? We so. like to we like to focus on things that are characters and stories that are very prevalent and very. Sometimes deserving of wider recognition because, like, we always think that Jack deserves wider recognition for what he does because okay. you know he we we'd like to focus on Jack. That's what no, we did it last okay, year Jack. because well, no. if he was going to turn one hundred, we you know right. wanted to be there well, celebrating. See, that's Jack. That's Jack. I'm like, like, would, would, would could John Byrne elicit a whole convention after him for for one? I mean, is he big enough? Because Jack, because Jack birthed everybody, and then like you know, like like Jim. A lot of motherfuckers ate off Jim's table. And I ain't just talking about me, you know, working with him. I'm talking about motherfuckers bit his style. And so, like, there are people like, like Arthur Adams. Would you do a convention show based off of any of those artists specifically? Or or influential artists in, in general? Would that be a thing? You know what I mean? Would you do that? I what? like influential artists in general. Okay. I also like uh, just commemorating great stories that are celebrating milestone years. And that's sort of mm-hmm. thing. I like stuff that is widely renowned to the public that has had a very strong impact on pop culture overall. And mm. so I think those kind of things are the things we can play on. But looking at their origins, their roots, and the history of what they went on to go influence. Like I mean, I'm like for Frankenstein this year, I'm planning on doing a panel on blue on Booberry and Frankenberry you and Count Chocula. That, but that's that's part of the whole Fra- if you do a Frankenstein, that's just being tidy. That's like, you know what, get some blueberry up in there, get some like, you know, some Frankenberry. You know, just get that up in there because that's part of the whole Thing too. That's like that's like um. What was it? Um, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, that I want to do some wrong Young Frankenstein too. I mean? Yeah. So anything Frank. So so we understand that this thing is Frankenstein to fuck out. So it should be able to get anything and everything Frankenstein to fuck out, which I understand. But it's just like the next thing. Is it going to be what? Like I said. Um, well, would you do something on like Bill Finger? Because you know, like a lot of people don't really. Of know Of course, him. I would love to do something on Bill because, Finger. But is Bill he Finger, a whole convention that, like Jack Kirby is. I mean, Bob. The way, I, I, I think the way Bob I would Kane have to phrase Finger that is, like, say something we could do like, like next year it could be like eighty years of Batman, and you know, showcasing a look at his 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 uh, lesser renowned creator Bill Finger, because yeah. now that okay, Bill Finger no, is actually, yeah, and something now, like that, go. because you know, you have to tie in. Because the public doesn't know Bill no, Finger, no, right, right. but I'm they just, know Batman. They know you tied Kane, it like that, but right, right. not Finger. And, like, and, like, and I should, and I, and I would hope they would forget Bob Kane after yeah. the shit that he's yeah, done. Yeah, he's right. Right. like scumbag. And you can watch that fucking documentary on Hulu. Oh, oh, it's right. called Bob and uh, I Batman. haven't seen it yet, but of course, I mean, one of the comic historians I invited to it last year, Arlen Schumer, was a guest on it. And anyone knows Arlen knows he's pretty passionate about his viewpoints in comic history, about especially. Taking Jack's side and the Stan and Jack one. Of course, he's a he's got his you know motives, but you know the man is a phenomenal lecturer and does these you know like I will admit that the four best lectures at Comic Fest last year were 
from Arlen Schumer. Especially that Jack, like the 25th anniversary of the Batman the Animated Series panel he did was just such a great look at such Russian art deco and stuff mm. thing that you, I, I had no idea was influencing uh, Batman the Animated Series. And that's like his, his Kirby... His Kirby Centennial panel was amazing. His Silver Age of Comic Art panel as well, the third one. And then 50 Years of Neil Adams in comics. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know what I'm And I love the cape that he wears. He always always wears a cape. He wants a cape. um, Arlen Schumer wears it. And he's got this big chain on it. Doom looking shit. Yeah, it's like right. it is like Doctor Doom looking shit, but you right. gotta remember, it's like why is he got that? Oh, that's right, he's from Jersey. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> I would want like Neil Adams and them to re-release continuity comics. There's a lot of continuity comics that came out that I didn't know came out, but I wish they would put them in trades now so I can get to them. But you know, it is it, it is what it is, you know. But yeah, like I say, I didn't know um, for your your show like the themes that come about how you how what well, you know. How they change, what it is, where it comes from, why, what not. Because you don't want to alienate people or weird them out thinking, oh, you don't switched up the fucking flavor? Yeah. He'd be like, no, no, no. It's, it's modular themed with a central theme, you know, thing going on. You know, it's comic related stuff. But in order to make it interesting each year, we, you know, we got to get it out there and code it in a certain gloss, which, <laughs> which, which is fine, you know. I was going to suggest, like, um, like I said earlier, like you should, in my opinion, um, you should set up some cameras or something to film these. Yeah, make it a bit these, more viral. You know what I mean? This, oh yeah, we just Comic Con doesn't really do that. Because I'm saying, comic, no. nobody, none of the conventions really do. They, they, they. Yeah, people come to them podcasts and film yeah. shit, and the, and the conventions let them do it, which is fine, which is help promoting the conventions. But I'm like, for your convention specifically, if you had your own crew set up. You know, when people are doing panels and shit, get that oh, yeah, good. We do, fo- get that good. Footage. We do have social and, media and, teams. Oh, we do have oh, a lot oh, of recording. Not just social media though. You post it on a channel, like like if you had a YouTube channel for this convention specifically, and on there during the show during during the uh, convention, you set up specific cameras to get specific people's you know footage. Even if it's just GoPros, like right, right, GoPros or whatever, and then you take that footage and you chop it up, and you can make those part ones, twos, and threes or whatever, and then you just put that shit during the rest of the year on your channel until next year for your show, and you get new footage and shit. You know what I mean? It ain't something you have to have like you know we gotta put you know. um this show has to be up every every week, you know. Yeah. You 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 after the show, get all that footage, edit it the fuck up, post it on your YouTube shit, and let it ride. And then like you do that shit once a year, and that just constantly builds your channel and advertise and promotes your shit, and has you something that's different than the other shows because you're you're filming the shit specifically, and you and you like I said the information is just invaluable. You know, you're talking about a lot of um, classic heads, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. Um, Even if you do like, I think of it right now, Dunford's moment in history of just you talking about comics for like five minutes about Dunford like moments, like the, his, moments. the history of something. <laughs> you see something like that, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, it's, it's, and I don't know, just helping brainstorm with things like to help make um, your show um, big, not not bigger than Comic Con. Yeah, I don't think anything's gonna be bigger than comic. I right mean, now. I'm still very much dedicated to small and small and. But like I said, but like I said, it's inevitable because all of them started small. Yeah. All of them started small, and now they're 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 big now. And like Comic Con wasn't that damn big. You remember it started to where where your ass was at right now. <laughs> and so and so since Comic Con got that big, every convention knows that they can get big now. And it just is, and the fact that it's enough room for them to get big like that, it's like wow, this shit ain't dying anytime soon. Yeah. Well, it's not we're, 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 are we out of time already? Out of time. She um, Josh, Josh, let motherfucking know. Skirt! Yep. Uh, nah. Matt, remind people of when they can go to Comic Fest, where it is. And yeah, okay, so San Diego Comic Fest will be returning 
April 20th through the 22nd. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday convention. It will be here in lovely San Diego, California at the Town & Country Resort, which is in the Mission Valley area. So swing by for a day, swing by for the entire weekend. Just, you know, come on by and join us. How much us. are the tickets? Can I afford the tickets? Did you I can afford the tickets. Okay. It's $50 for a whole weekend. Mm, you if you want to come either Friday or Saturday, those are $25 tickets. Mm -hmm. Sunday only is 20 We also offer active military discount, student mm. discount, and uh, yeah, so yeah, come on by. Oh, and kids under 12 are free, so bring the family. Oh, yeah, you in other words, you need to get your uh, butts into place. Yeah, JJ. I know. I will. <laughs> no, no. <sighs> and then uh, remind everybody where they can find you, Matt. You can find me on Facebook at Matt Dunford. Oh, on the block. On the block. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at, at M-A-T-T-D-U-N-F-O-R-D. And uh, other place you can find me, you will literally find me everywhere. I've been called the easiest person in the world to run into. Right? Mm. You can't make a worse the book with him because you'll just find him. <laughs> Where's Matt? He's over there. Bam. <laughs> because I literally will show up everywhere. It's it's freakish. Wow. He'll either show up as Matt or as a Dale. I could show up as Dale Gribble too. Yeah. <laughs> he does the best Dale Gribble, man. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, guys, um, we hope you had fun listening to this. We had fun with Matt as always. We're going to have him on again and again and again. No, yeah, we're we, we going to have him back. Don't worry. That's, that's love. We got a Spider-Man thing going where we want him because we know how much he loves it. So we'll... Hopefully you guys will listen to that one later on. Um, uh, this has been Josh Casper. This is the Bizarre Mumbo Jumbo, a.k.a. J.J. Kirby, the uh, Orchid Assassin, a.k.a. Bonsai Killer. Holla at your people. Damn. I know. And, of course, this is Matt Dunford. And we are I Am Comics Podcast. Uh, you guys can check us out on Google Play Music, iTunes, SoundCloud. You guys can look us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, guys. Read on. Peace. See ya.